Hello, and welcome to our podcast, What Makes Them Tip? Innovations that change everything, where we hear from business leaders and entrepreneurs about the moment, insight, or inspiration that made everything possible, and ultimately push them over the tipping point. I'm Mike Strada, founder and CEO of Arcalea, where we inspire business change by introducing data science, formal analytics, and provide implementation from marketing. Moneyball for growth-oriented businesses, we say success is now a science. Stay with us, and at the end of the show, we'll share how you can be the next guest on one of the fastest-growing podcasts in the industry. And with that, let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of What Makes Them Tip, Entrepreneurial Innovations That Changed Everything. I'm your host, Timmy Bauer, and my guest today is Michael Curland. He is the, I forgot to ask you if you're the CEO, but you're the founder of The Branded Group. Well, good news, Timmy. I am both the founder and the CEO, so you got <laughs> Great. it right. <laughs> Great. Um, okay, Michael. So just to kick things off here, tell us a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey um, and and your company, Branded Group, how it, how it got there and what your company does. Sure. And I'm glad I also got the memo to go black uh, V-neck tea because uh, <laughs> yes. we both look, we both look great. So it's the only way to look good. Uh, no matter what, uh, no matter what you're working with. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's my standard. It's like once a week I'm wearing black tea and, and jeans, but uh, yeah. anyway, I digress. I'm sure the listeners don't care about that, but uh, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, entrepreneurial so, journey. Yeah. So, so um, Michael Curland, CEO and founder of Branded Group, Branded Group is a national facilities and construction management company. And what that means is we do repair, maintenance, and construction management for multi-site tenants across the country. So, for example, because uh, everyone's like, what does that mean? What does that mean? <laughs> Uh, so you we're a broker the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> yeah. So we're a broker and like one of our clients is uh, Sephora and we, oh, okay. do, cool. yeah. So we work with their corporate office and they have, you know, upwards of 400, 500 stores, if not more, um, and uh, across the country. And so when something breaks in one of their stores, they subcontract, they hire us to find a subcontractor. So let's just say, uh, some their their front door they can't turn the key and lock it at night. They'll call us. We'll call a locksmith in whatever city that that store is located, and then that locksmith will go out and fix the door. They charge us, example, a hundred dollars. We charge Sephora a hundred and twenty dollars. So we make a little markup on top of it yep. so that uh, we can we can stay in business, right? Because that's how yep. we make our money is is yep. the management fees. So yeah, so that's what we do. Um, and how did I get into this business? Um, I mean, that's, that's a whole, this is what podcast. you dreamed of doing as a child, right? Yeah. I, I, I don't know if you ever, you probably are too young for the don't, you know, dare commercials from when I was a kid, but there was, Oh no, I'm 30. I, I, I definitely had those commercials. There was this one where the, it would be this girl that was spinning around and it says, uh, I want to be a ballerina when I grow up, but it, and then it would say, no one ever says they want to be a junkie when they grow up and she would fall down, but it's probably a little too heavy. Right. So I never said I want to be a facilities management, uh, a facilities manager or, or, or an entrepreneur. I never even thought I wanted to be an entrepreneur, man, to be completely honest. I thought I was just going to, where were you what, headed coming out of college? I was a, I was a sports management guy. I thought I was going to be the general manager of the New York Mets. And uh, that was my dream job. And I went to college for it. I worked for a minor league baseball team for a year. I applied 
all over the country. I would have moved anywhere except for Mobile, Alabama, the one place I did get offered a job and it was like $20,000 a year. And I was like, I can't even, I don't think I can even live off of this. So anyway, um, yeah, long story yeah. short, I started work, I started uh, doing sales. Uh, I, I got into retail and then sales after I got out of school. And then um, did sales come natural to you? Yeah, but I didn't like it at first. This is the funny thing. I, I was selling uh I was selling uh commercial industrial equipment, like vacuum okay. cleaners to like yep. colleges and hospitals. And you're calling like these these guys that were like on-site facility managers that you know were down in the boiler room in their office and you were selling them equipment and they were it was just not, it was a it was a you know burn and turn. You had to make like a hundred calls a day just to get like two or three sales. I did well at it, but it was the it was sales 101. It wasn't fun. It was everything you needed to know about sales, but you'd never want to do again. So right, that's, uh, right. that's, that's how I got into sales. But I, I took a pivot for a while and I left that company and I went to go work for a company called Jones Apparel Group. And they were, uh, they're now defunct, but they owned like Nine West shoes, Bandolino shoes. It was a, it was a women's clothier uh, back in like the early 2000s. And okay. so I, I would, what did I you do? I was a facilities manager and I got offered okay. a job to be a facilities manager. That was when I left the company selling the commercial industrial equipment. So when yeah. was the aha moment of like, okay, I am a facilities manager. Wait, I could start a facilities management company. So fast forward three years at Nine West, uh, Jones Apparel Group left there, went to go work for one of my vendors. That was a facilities management company, similar to what I was doing. Worked there seven years. Private equity came in year six. Uh, I was the VP of sales and marketing and we did very well. We went from 7 million when I started to 50 million when I left. And I was a, a good reason, you know, a part of the reason for that. And when the new, new company came in, you know. What were just, some of the things as VP of sales and marketing that you did that drove that result? Relationships. That's always been my, you know, you can sell, there's different ways to sell. You can be the pushy sales guy that, tries to close deals and doesn't take no for an answer, or you can be the sales guy that tries to grow relationships and um, gets to know people. And, and that's my, that's my superpower. My superpower is reading and knowing people and they're kind of like how they're reacting in their emotions. So, you know, I just, I just, read people and if they weren't ready to buy or they weren't or they weren't comfortable to buy i didn't push and and i would eventually just get their trust and gain their trust and be able to close deals because um they felt that i was a trustworthy individual yeah so yeah. that's always um been the way i sell is you know get to know somebody and they want to buy from someone they they like you know you can buy facilities management from anyone anywhere, right? Uh, everyone does the same. In my industry, everyone does pretty much the same job for pretty much the same price in pretty much the same amount of time, give or take a couple bucks, a couple hours. Um, yeah. I but, think we often we often work with or buy from the people that we like, and we justify that rationale based on whatever whatever the, the value is of the thing or the proposed value is of the thing. If you're a total value-based shopper, you're probably going to be disappointed with a lot of your purchases because whether it's a thing, a tangible thing or a service, if you're only going based off of price, it's usually going to disappoint you at some point in time. I've found yeah. if you go based off of a relationship and you go based off of, you know, 
being able to, hey, Mike Curland, you know, this thing, this service I bought from you wasn't up to standard. And Mike Curland comes back and says, well, I will fix it for you. But you go with the value base, they're probably gonna be like, well, you, you got the cheapest price yep. for it. You're gonna have yep. to do it again, right? So anyway, I digressed. So the aha tipping moment for me, God, I'm, I guess I'm the, one of these long-winded guys that just keeps talking in circles. But. Uh, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm just as much to blame. I'm very interested. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the aha tipping moment was uh, when the CEO came in of the NUCO and they you know, demoted me to director from VP and they were like, you are going to take a demotion. You're going to take a title cut. You're going to take a pay cut. I was like, this, this isn't good. I, I can't Why did they the do that? I mean, you know, in my opinion, it was because they didn't want to pay me. I was making really good commissions. They didn't. Got they, knew, they knew if they got rid of me and, and I quit, then they could take all the commission back that they were paying me. I That's gotcha. my guess. I mean, I, I don't know. I didn't. Sometimes in the sales world, if you do your job too well, you can price yourself out. I've, I learned that a long time ago. So I was going through some personal, um, personal I went through a divorce and uh, I got fired all in the same year. It was, it was a oh. doozy of a year. Not quite as bad as 2020. <laughs> Uh, the best thing that ever happened to me. And that's when I was like, I can, I can do this facilities management thing on my own. I was living in uh, Long Island, New York at the time. And I decided I want to be in California because I hated snow. We had just had Hurricane Sandy. We had just got pummeled with like one of the worst winters in, uh, in history, um, recent history, at least with snow. And I was just like, I don't even like the snow. Let me go to California. Let me open it up in the sunny States and, I've kind of thought there was a little hole in the, in the market out here for facility management companies. There was only like two or three, but the second most retail corporate offices were out here in the LA area. So I came out here and started branded group seven years ago, almost. What are some of the unique uh, things that branded group does compared to other facilities management companies? Okay. So unique, what we do that's unique is, the relationship thing, like I just talked about, because I'll, I'll go, I'll go back to what I was saying before we do the same job for this pretty much the same price in pretty much the same amount of time. So what, why are you going to buy from Brander group? You're going to buy because you like Mike Curland and you're going to buy because you like my sales team. Um, because you know that when you give us a call, it's construction, it's facilities. It's not going to go a hundred percent all the time that when things are not going right, we fix it for you. And the other thing that, that, that we do as a company that I think we've done as good, if not better than most of our competition is efficiencies. We have uh, figured out a way to make the workflow process faster. And it's a lot. So being a, a broker, a middleman, you know, you take a call from your client, then you turn around and call your subcontractor and you're funneling information back and forth. But while you're doing that, you know, that all takes time. And so we've eliminated seconds and it doesn't sound like a lot, right? But we've eliminated, you know, five, 10 seconds of entering work orders a, a certain way. Like, you know, we've, we've, uh, we've uh, streamlined that, right? So when we get it from our customer, it just automatically enters into our system and automatically enters into our subcontractor system if they have one. And so you does, it doesn't sound like a lot of efficiency, but that right there probably saves our, our coordinators uh, five minutes of time for every work order and do that over the course of a thousand work orders a year that they may be running. You know, I just saved you 5,000 minutes of time. 
I didn't, but the company saved you 5,000 minutes of time and just allows you to work more efficiently, effectively. And that's just yeah. an example of things. What, what, are, what are some of the proactive ways that, you, that your company goes after fostering relationships? Like what, like what strategies are you doing? Uh, so fostering relationships before COVID was, <laughs> you know, it was get on a plane, press some palms, kiss some babies. You know, we would always go see our clients or, you know, go to the, the shows that were the trade shows that were yeah. industry specific. Um, and we would just follow up. I mean, that's, that's one of the things that it, it's, in our industry, there's two ways to do things. And I've mentioned it before. There's the the hard sales guy that's going to, you give him your card. He's going to put, he's going to call you the next day. He's going to call you the day after that until you say yes. Right. And that guy can be annoying or, you know, for us, we have a, a method of following up where it's, you get the card, you wait a couple of weeks, you, you know, you, you, call back you take the temperature, you email back, whatever. And you can tell if someone's very interested or slightly interested, but over the time, if they're very interested, obviously you close those fast. If they're slightly interested, you keep, you know, keep building that relationship. So fostering that relationship is just contact points, touch points, emails. How you doing? How's your, how was your weekend? Things of that nature. How are you doing it now with COVID? It's the same. It's just more zoom calls and emails probably and LinkedIn messages than. Yeah. Uh, so my, I'm not a millennial, but my, most of my staff are, and they, they hate pounding the phones. And I grew up in sales, pounding the phones. So for me, I'm like, call, call, call. But in this day and age, people don't even answer their phones anymore because no. they can screen calls and send everything. My, my phone is permanently set to, to not, answer. it doesn't even ring. Right. Uh, mine doesn't ring either, but I do check my voicemail, but I don't, I think that's an anomaly too. To my, my voicemail says, Hey, you've reached Timmy Bauer. I never checked my voicemail. Send me a text message. I love it. And I think that's how my millennial sales team operates too. Like they just, they text their, um, uh, potential clients to, to foster that relationship. And, and that seems to be working pretty well too. How, how long has the company been around? Uh, how many years? Uh, we're coming up on our seventh anniversary nice. in february nice. yeah so can so. you can you take me to a time when you felt like you were beating your head against a wall and and like a decision that you made tipped you towards success in your company yeah i can definitely take it to that time <laughs> I, thought, I thought about this when you know obviously that's the the name of the podcast right so, yeah uh so when i opened up the first two and a half years it was me and uh one of the owners and it was just me and her and our and our team. We had grown. We had grown pretty quickly. Um, from like our first year, we did 750k. I think year three, we were like almost almost at like 10 million. And that doesn't sound like a lot, but in three year span, it's a it's a lot of growth. And we were um, we were just hiring people, and and our day to day had become inundated because I had wore so many hats. I was running accounting, HR, sales, marketing. I was, you know, making sure all uh, I was, I was still actually interviewing and hiring operations people. I just had no time of the day. And yeah. so we brought on uh, our third owner after two and a half years uh, as president, this guy named John Thomas, this guy, my, my business partner, John Thomas, we brought him on after the, after the third year. Um, and he or in the middle, uh, in the, almost at the end of the third year, and he came in and he's the efficiency guru. He's the operations guru. Yeah. He removed from my plate doing all the operations, the accounting, 
And uh, those two were like the biggest things where I was pounding my head against the wall because I, you know, I'm running the company during the day. I'm trying to sell. I'm making sure all the little problems that bubble up over the course of, of a day. And I'm still trying to bill on time so that we can get paid. All yeah. three of those things are just full-time jobs in and of itself. And it's funny now because that's year seven, he's now banging his head against the wall. Cause he's like, I can't do accounting and operations at the same time. So that's how much yeah. we're growing. Yeah. So, that's awesome. What, yeah. what advice do you have based on that experience for people that need to get out of the weeds of their own business? Uh, read the book called the E-Myth. It's old, but it's got so much pertinent information in there and it, it starts to, it just kind of outlines like where you need to be in classified in your business as you grow. Because what typically happens with solopreneurs is you're going to wear every hat and you're your biggest challenge for growth because you're, like I just said, doing ops, accounting, sales, where is the time? And that's all you really have uh, is your time. And if you're trying to like scale, you just run out of time. So you need to hire people to fit the roles that you either don't like or you're not good at and hire experts in those roles to get you to where you want to grow to and then free you up to do the thing that you're great at. I'm great at sales. I'm sales and marketing and culture guy. And so when I'm doing operations, I'm wasting operations time because I'm not doing it as well as someone who is focused on operations and I'm not giving as much time to sales, marketing, and culture. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. What's up ahead for you challenge-wise at your company? Like, What are the challenges you're facing now? What do you think is in the future for tipping towards success? Uh, Well, COVID has obviously been the fun one that we've been dealing with this year, but we've actually done a pretty good job of, you know, navigating through and and what the future is going to hold. I think, I think the next big thing is really going to be hiring uh, the right people to take some more of that burden off of for example, I was saying just now with John and him doing operations and accounting, he's going to have to pick one or the other, let go. Because that's, side note, as an entrepreneur, that's also one of your biggest deterrents. It's it's what gets you where you are is your ego, but it's yes. also one of your biggest deterrents because, you you know, when I let go of accounting initially and, and operations, I felt like I failed and I beat myself up a little bit. I was a little depressed. And then I finally realized, like, I don't have to do that anymore. And I can start focusing on what I really love to do. This is great. And so I think that's kind of where we're at right now is him realizing he needs to separate. And for me, even I need, I I'm running the sales team and our sales team has grown from two to four this year. Uh, That's how well we, we did during pandemic. And at some point I'm going to have to get someone to manage that team that actually manages. Cause I'm, I'm up at 50,000 feet, you know, and I'm looking at a, at a, Uh, airplane view of everything. And so I'm not getting into the weeds with the sales team on a daily basis and, you know, making sure they're really hitting their metrics. I'm, I think they are because we're selling, but at some point I need someone to manage that process to make sure everyone's doing what they need to do so we can hit some key metrics that, that we'd like to hit. Yeah. Awesome. Love it. Michael, how can listeners connect with you? Uh, always on LinkedIn, Michael Curland. Uh, you, you know, I love to connect with people on there, reach out, connect, send me an in, in message. Uh, or you can uh, go to the website, www.branded-group.com. Um, 
And if you'd like, also, you could listen to my podcast, which is the Be Better podcast is something that uh, I've been working on as, as a little side project. Yeah. How, how deep are you into that podcast so far? How many episodes? Uh, we just finished season two. Uh, it's called Congrats. Be Better Be Better Podcast with Mike McCrillin. Yeah. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Love uh, it. And it's it's been fun. We did pandemic culture this year, so it was very fitting. Yeah. That's cool. That's yeah. cool. Love it. I love it. I love a good podcast on company culture. So I'm going to subscribe. Awesome. Thank you. All right. Thanks for being on the show. Timmy, thank you. Appreciate you having me on. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to our show, What Makes Them Tip? Innovations that changed everything. If you're an entrepreneurial leader and you'd like to share the inspiration that changed everything in your business or venture, please visit arcalea.com slash guest and a small request. If you've liked this interview, please help us out by sharing this episode with a friend or on social with the hashtag Arcalea. You can also help us out right now by providing a review in your podcast player and a thumbs up or rating review would help a ton. We promise to read every word and it helps us improve a little bit each day. And while you're at it, please also subscribe because every week you're going to be inspired and learn from other leaders in bite-sized increments. Again, my name is Mike Strada. Let's connect either on social or stay up to date on all things business at arcalea.com. Thanks again for listening and thank you for being part of the over 99% of America's firms that make up the entrepreneurial community. Until next time.